0: Welcome back to the Dynamo Group. I'm here with Veronica, Drew, Hi.
1: Angel, hey. what's up,
0: and myself, Beth. This is our third and final podcast. We're excited to talk about all our research, of, excuse me, on our question, and we're going to talk about the um, potential answers and the arguments that we came across. We have a really cool interview, and um, then we'll give you our final thoughts on all our research. Hope you enjoy. So, looking back at our first podcast, we set out to answer the question. What would be the most efficient way to lower mass incarceration rates in Washington? This brought us to a lot of different possible answers, and along with answers comes arguments, right? So,
1: yeah,
0: it was it was fun to to research and figure out.
1: It was had like that. we also brought up some really good, interesting people like Chuck Colson who uh, came up with the whole prison fellowship and kind of brought into the whole kind of we should bring re- available resources like job opportunities and job skills like, uh, like he was giving for the prison fellowship.
0: Yeah. And which ties in really nice to what um, Angel had talked about in our second episode on um, supplying possibilities for prisoners after they get out
1: so uh, let's talk about that real quick um so for um we came up with a bunch of different potential answers to uh, uh kind of improving mass incarceration i came up with uh employment after prison and that uh, we should equip and kind of provide uh, job training and skills to those who are being released from prison during or even after prison though and as well as these present uh this prison in uh industries that allow job opportunities who like They'll be like, oh, we're going to train you to work at our company. And once you're free, you come work for us. You know, make a good living, uh, good benefits, that kind of stuff, you know?
0: Yeah, it was a really good point. The, um, I had kind of crept upon the whole defunding the police. And it, could that possibly be an answer to reducing rates in Washington? And first I had to kind of find the definition of it because there were, it seemed to be two different mindsets on it. But what um, it really means today is basically allocating funds elsewhere. So instead of their big umbrella budgets, pieces of the pie would go out to things like Angel mentioned, um, supporting employment for prisoners or rehabilitation or what you'll hear soon from veronica alternatives to prisons and jails so um so about alternatives um basically
2: you get an option so for example it's usually with lower like lower crime i'm trying to figure out exactly how you would word it but it'd be like lower crime cases that would be able to get the opportunity to have an alternative which basically the alternatives is you would instead of going to jail, you would either pay a fine, a restitution. You can com- you do community service. There's probation, house arrest, um, inpatient drug alcohol rehabilitation. There's inpatient psychiatric treatment, which is probably one of the most um, alternatives that are used actually, because nowadays everybody can get men- mentally signed away and say that they were not mentally fit, and that's why they had did the crime they did. Um, or there's another thing called work release, which is kind of like a halfway house. So it's the same, it's, it's the same concept of being in jail, but you live in a house with a bunch of other people that are also like, I guess, an inmate and you go to work and you have a certain time you have to be home and you stay there every single night. So, um, that's kind of just the alternatives to jail and prison that we have came up with. Nice.
1: Wow. Well, um, with our claims and kind of our own solution there were some um arguments and some kind of facts that uh, show that a will probably take more or our um our answers alone will be enough to solve or improve mass incarceration but before we get to that um i had me and Beth interviewed a special guest um so here's that uh, quick interview enjoy All right, Now time for our next portion of the podcast, like I said last episode, we will have a guest. Let's have him introduce himself.
3: Hi, my name is Myron Travis. I um, currently am an assistant professor at Everett Community College. I have 36 years of law enforcement experience, graduated from the University of Michigan Dearborn, and i um, just excited to be here and be part of this podcast and share some thoughts about uh, the subject matter at hand.
0: Thanks for being with
3: us.
1: Yep. This will be a really good help with our topic. Um, Beth, would you like to kind of give him what our topic is about?
0: We have been discussing um, kind of over the whole semester here. um, A question we posed was what would be the most efficient way to lower mass incarceration incarceration rates in Washington? So we kind of did... um, some potential answers and then the arguments to those answers and and now we're kind of reaching near something we've kind of concluded as most of our answer but it brought up a lot of good arguments and questions as to what actually might work to help with this
1: um professor travis um I'm going to ask you one of the uh, first questions. Um, what is What do you know about mass incarceration and the prison system in the United States of America and in Washington State?
3: Well, I've never really studied it specifically and isolated to Washington State. I generally covered it cover it in a more broad sense when I look at it and study it and even prepare for lecture. Um, my idea of mass incarceration generally... Um, in my opinion, is kind of a result of maybe in the Nixon era and thereafter, the war on drugs, where um, incarceration in the United States actually exploded and multiplied uh, like 600 percent based on a new get tough policy on crime and the war on drugs and things like that. So I believe that was the that was the result or that resulted in mass incarceration and the explosion of the prison rate here in the United States. It was that idea about getting tough on crime, primarily uh, the drug war and um, increasing uh, the amount of arrests and incarcerations through minimum mandatory sentencing, um, get tough policies and things like that, because it tends to have taken away the... um, the idea that the courts so or maybe even judges can have more tailored sentencing that might help an individual. We ended up through these new policies, um, the mandate of mandatory
1: minimums and mandatory sentencing, which kept people pretty much incarcerated. Um, so, we discussed throughout this uh, course about different solutions of how we can um, reduce mass incarceration and prevent people from reoffending. Let me ask you a question. Would job programs and things like federal prison industries and anything that provides job skills um, help uh, those who are released from prison from reoffending or reentering the system?
3: A lot of times when we talk about uh, rehabilitation, we talk about job training and job skills. But um, my attitude towards that has to extend beyond um, prison release because you can train an ex-offender or give them job skills or job training, but once they get back into society, there's still challenges that they face. Um, Employers are reluctant to hire them, and if they are hired, they're hired at a reduced rate, or they tend to statistically make much less than someone who's not an ex-offender. So these are some barriers that they would be um, confronted with. And oftentimes, offenders are released from prison, and they return to those environments, that created or provided a social strain that caused them to offend in the first place. So you have those barriers and on and incorporated with that is once you become an ex-offender, you lose basic rights. You lose rights to uh, government and public benefits. Um, your employer or employment potential is reduced. Um, housing opportunities are reduced. So when I look at the issue of recidivism. I look at all these different factors that add up to an enormous challenge for that specific offender to integrate back into society and be successful. So we have to look at different facets of the entire process, not just job training and while they're in prison, but what happens
1: after they're released. Right. Beth, you got any questions? I do
0: actually, thank you. I. We were looking into, um, as one of the potential answers, as you were kind of talking about going beyond the in-prison courses that would set them up for success, but things like halfway housing and, and would it be possible to, I mean, is that something that could actually really happen as far as funding, maybe even in the course of what is being called defund the police, but just allocating different funds for places like halfway houses and rehabs to keep um, the ex uh, prisoners clean and safe.
3: Well, absolutely. I think to provide them a place because many prisoners or offenders are released, and they either have no place to go, or they go to a place, again, where there's social disorganization that created the causal effect for criminality in the first place. Okay. So so to um, redirect funds, and in my opinion, that's what defunding the police is about. It's not necessarily defunding or eliminating police organizations. It's reallocating certain amounts of funds to help um with recovery and recidivism into providing resources for ex-offenders who are released, which I, I can appreciate those viewpoints. So yeah, I think it would be a great benefit to provide a halfway house. So they would have someplace to go. Oftentimes, um, federal agencies may contract or partner with hotel hotels. that give them a reduced rate, or they can stay there for a specific period of time. Um, Um, at a reduced rate or maybe the expenses are already paid for that allow them an opportunity to kind of get stable enough to reintegrate in society. So all those things are a big help. But as I look at, again, the totality of the circumstances and the situation that ex-offenders find themselves, it's so many other things, because not only do you have that barrier, you have the employment barrier, you have the, um, you know, many, uh, felon ex felon offenders don't qualify for government or, um, uh, public assistance subsidies. So yeah. th- those are laws that I believe that should be looked at and reevaluated because if we're really serious about helping someone who has paid their debt to society, integrate back into society, then those are the types of things we need to look at. It's like, are we really helping them or are we really creating a, um, an environment, an unwinnable situation. And,
1: yeah.
3: and that's where we end up with 70% of offend, ex-offenders uh, reoffending offending and, you know, um, increasing the recidivism rate. Because once they're out in uh, society and they integ- try to integrate back in, they're oftentimes unsuccessful. You have um, a social strain that, that just encapsulates them. And they find themselves just reoffending because they
1: have no other recourse. Hmm. Um looks like we're almost uh, running out of time here, but I will ask uh, one last question. Um so knowing about um what you know about mass incarceration and um all these uh kind of prisoners reoffending, what is a huma- what is the one challenge that uh, that might pose in improving mass incarceration?
3: That, to improve mass incarceration, I yeah. believe I believe um Judges should have the right to um, tailor sentences specifically to the individual. I understand that there's different degrees and um, seriousness of crimes that may or may not be committed. But um, we need to tailor sentencing to the individual and the individual's needs. Because if a person's addicted to substance or drugs, incarcerating them, may not be the answer. Drug treatment will be the answer to help them get over that barrier that challenge and then be able to be productive in society. Um, Job training, let's go back to that. Um, Instead of incarcerating a person because he did not have a job and he committed a crime to feed his family, let's say, let's provide some job training and let's incentivize employers to hire ex-offenders who uh, prove themselves worthy
1: to um, allow them an opportunity to be gainfully employed.
0: That's great. Thank you so much.
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, coming to our podcast. Um, we are the Dynamo Group. Um, thanks again for our our guest um, for coming to our uh, podcast and giving us a little bit of your insight on this topic. Um, thanks, Beth, for joining me for this interview as well.
0: Of course. Thank you yeah. for your time, Professor Travis. Uh,
1: well, thanks for having me, and good luck to all of you with
3: your project. All right, man. Right,
1: goodbye. Have Thank a good you. day, everybody.
3: Okay, bye-bye. All right.
4: Thanks, uh, Angel and Beth, for that great interview with Professor Travis. Seems like you guys brought up a lot of good points and takes that we had ourselves to our research also. And as Beth mentioned earlier, while we were researching our potential answer, we did come across arguments for each claim. So I'm going to pass it to Angel so he could talk about um, the biggest arguments about employment after prison.
1: Uh, Thanks, Drew. (laughs) So for employment after prison, um, well, let's kind of get back to the interview. Um, Professor Travis did bring up a good point that employment after prison isn't just the only answer. It would take a bunch of other valuable resources and opportunities like rehabilitation and kind of like, um, you know, drug rehabilitation, you know, counseling and all that stuff, you know. But uh, he also said that, uh, that that would also fit in the whole prison um, and job skill stuff would definitely fit in in part of the resources. Um, some other arguments that came up um, when uh, researching this uh, whole employment after prison is that not all prisoners are released during a time of economic uh, growth or opportunity. And in order for the for them to be off or stay away from crime, they would have to be released during a time where um, the um, the job employment or the the uh, the job market reach certain requirements like. There's a lot of high paying jobs with uh, low skills, as well as other uh, benefits and great opportunities. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yes. The, um, also, with more research and trying to find answers, we there's always the other side of, and especially I feel like with something that can be politically motivated, um, defund the police had a few arguments against. Um, Mainly, if budgets are cut from the police departments, then it's feared that the violence and injuries are increased, um, as well as the police misconduct because they're being overworked if their budgets are cut. Um, There's a little misconception there, but um, another dispute about it was um, that the misconduct by police is just overstated it isn't as big of a deal as it is reported so those are some of the other sides to defending the police mm-hmm.
2: veronica oh yeah so yeah. also with going in with arguments that we found with our claims um the major one with when it comes to providing the alternatives to the prisons and the jails that people have found to be wrong was that people aren't really getting the whole you know, you do the crime, you do the time, and the major the major thing that they have found out about is that the amount of people that reconvict after giving an opportunity to have an alternative um, was slightly more than people that was that served their full time. So I think instead of like completely taking away of the providing the alternatives, I think there just needs to be more of like a policy made for specific inmates that are allowed to receive these alternatives. Um, because the major problem is that these people are reconvicting that, that we're given these alternatives. So it's kind of just like, okay, how did we give this person this alternative to not go to jail? But then as soon as they they, t- they take it and then they do something wrong with it again. Taking advantage yeah. of that opportunity. It, yeah, they're taking advantage of the opportunity. So I think that with when it comes to our claims and all of our arguments that we have found against our claims, there's always the good side to it, which we've already have, we, we have stated. So I think that just comes into our final answer of like what we what we believe would be the most efficient way to lower mass incarceration in Washington which is on my opinion I don't think it's specifically one thing I think every claim that we have made would help contribute to
0: lowering it. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And it was kind of interesting to hear Professor Travis Along those same lines, and yeah. he's been in it firsthand, front line, It Seems so. like with
4: the alternatives to like the prisons and jails, I guess the uh, inmates they're probably just not like getting. It sounds kind of messed up, but like punished. So like
2: they mm-hmm. don't get
4: a like a fair punishment. So they just take advantage of the opportunity because they're like, oh, I could just you know go to a. Yeah. I don't have to go to prison or jail if I do something wrong. You know. I guess. All
1: right. Looks like we should uh, kind of get ready to um get the overall message, uh, Beth.
0: You know, we um this has brought up a a lot of, it's been amazing, and we kind of kind of concluded that along with Professor Travis, mass incarceration in Washington State can be fixed. Um, not one thing is going to do it, but um, but it is possible. Pro- housing and public assistance. Jobs and services like rehabilitations will reduce recidivism, and um, it's possible. We have faith for sure. Let's so, yeah, do there it, is, Washington.
1: Yeah, <laughs> there isn't just one correct answer, you know, to this uh, to the solution. You know, we all came up with our own answers, which obviously kind of can come together and to make a whole system to improve mass incarceration.
0: Look how good we yeah. are. We figured it out. <laughs> yes
1: <laughs> and actually there's probably some more um other kind of uh, answers that we haven't even come up with maybe somebody else will come up with more answers to add or kind of um, definitely add to our home solution yeah yeah I mean
4: there definitely isn't an overnight solution you know what I mean like it's a system that's been corrupt for decades now so
2: for sure it's gonna
4: take time to fix it
2: it's everyone needs to be a part of it that's what it is everybody needs to be part of the solution yeah
1: all right, then, guys.
0: We did a... it. Nice work,
1: all fun right, fun group. It's that been a pleasure. A and uh, I'd like to thank again our uh, once again our our guest, uh, Professor Travis, for giving his insight. Definitely. Yes. Yeah. yeah. All right, guys. Uh, it's been a great um, three-episode season. So. Yes. <laughs> 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 nice work. Nice Will there work. Will be a next season? Find out.
2: <laughs> 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 Maybe. <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, right.
1: Thanks for being part of the Bye. animal group.
0: Thanks for listening, everybody.
1: All right. Goodbye.